Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. You're here with me, Danko, on Market View, and welcome back from the long weekend. Hope you had a great rest. Now let's check in on the markets. Looks like Asia Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning, and the moves follow modest declines in the regular trading session overnight on Wall Street, with the Dow and Nasdaq Composite both losing about 0.1 percent, while the S&P 500 finished just slightly below its flat line. And joining us this morning to break down the latest market actions is Ryan Huang. Good morning, Ryan. How was your long weekend? Good morning. Then yes, it's pretty good. I'm still struggling to get back to work. Oh man, I felt weekend. the same. It yes. is a, certainly a good break that we all needed as well. Now let's just dive right into what we have for today. And over the weekends, following an unsuccessful effort to keep First Republic open, the largest U.S. bank by deposits. Also known as J.P. Morgan, they have reached a deal to take over the 14th largest financial institution, First Republic. Now, why not talk to us about how crucial this deal is for markets and the economy, and does this signal that the banking crisis is finally over? Well, it is good news for sure because it does answer some questions, or at least manages to avoid some difficult questions being asked. Mm. So. JP Morgan, one of the biggest U.S. banks, is now slightly bigger because it now has acquired the assets for First Republic after a weekend auction. So that's good news because it prevents that awkward question of what would happen if First Republic was left to fail, and、mm. then you have all these customers who will then be, I guess, hurt to some extent. And that brings the question: Who are some of these customers? So First Republic is a very similar setup to SVB in sen- in the sense that it specializes in a particular group of customers. So、mm. SVB was targeting the tech crowd. For First Republic, it was targeting very rich coast. Coastal residents, so they lured in many of their deposits with、uh, low interest rates in return for mortgages.、Mm. And as we saw interest rates tick up, it became a big problem for First Republic. And then here we have it: J.P. Morgan building them out with that auction win. So it is going to help ease the jitters to some extent. Um, but I think you still have a lot of questions around the wider banking sector that、mm. people are still, you know, trying to poke holes. Who might then be the next First Republic? And I think it's not going to end until this、um, settles. At least we need some time for this to settle. Yeah, I think people are still trying to absorb whatever has happened so far. Now, what does this deal mean for J.P. Morgan moving ahead? Then, do you、okay. see them benefiting from this acquisition? Well, it does expand its reach slightly, and I think. Um, Jamie Dimon, the CEO,、mm. did talk about how this will be、uh, beneficial to J.P. Morgan in the sense that it will be able to reach a new segment that it could not. And other interesting things that he talked about around the acquisition is that the chances of a recession do not change with the acquisition. So this is worth noting that he does not think it is going to be a big deal when it comes to. Uh, resetting expectations around the economy because the economy will still face the same problems of a tight labor force as well as high inflation.、Uh, it just takes away one small factor in the equation.、Mm-hmm. So as J.P. Morgan starts to absorb about ninety-two billion dollars in deposits from the deal, it will also see it、um, returning some of the thirty billion dollars that. Itself and other large banks put into First Republic last month, so、mm. it is also going to take on 
loans to the tune of $173 billion. And all in, it is a win-win situation for JP Morgan as well as the Federal Reserve. Okay, remains to be seen. So we will take a closer look at what's happening as the story develops over the next few weeks. Now let's stick to the same tune. And meanwhile, you know, we have a sidekick to billionaire Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger. He's one of a brewing storm in the US commercial property market. And that's alluding to the recent banking crisis. Tell us more, Ryan. Yeah, so this is Charlie Munger. He has been a huge force behind Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. So the vice chairman foresees pain in the U.S. economy, particularly U.S. banks. Mm. And he figures that these banks are full of what he calls bad commercial property loans. So he is quite mindful that the sector is still not out of the woods. And this, of course, in the wake of what we've been seeing, a handful of failures among some of these banks. And he thinks with interest rates going up, we are going to see who has been what he calls misbehaving. And that will then just expose who will be well, having to face the music once the interest rates expose these liabilities. Right. Now, does this suggest that, you know, we haven't fully seen the immediate risks from last month's market turmoil and like there's still a lot of underlying issues that remains to be exposed to the economy from the banking crisis? I think for every country, there is to some extent a bit of um, reckoning when it comes to how interest rates are going to go up. So for many in the property sector, they had a few good years Mm -hmm. borrowing at low interest rates and it depends on how leveraged the country's mortgagees are, they will have have to pay back at higher interest rates at some point. And then if you factor in the other problems they might be facing with the economy, job layoffs, no no income to pay off the mortgage, it can lead to a property crash. And Mm. I think this is something they are watching very closely as we see uh, in some sectors, for example, technology, uh, laying off more people, these people will have trouble paying off their loans. And I think that is a very real concern if the economy tips into a harder recession than expected. It could lead to the property sector getting a bit of a dent. Yeah, so uh, I think that that's something that uh, we'll have to keep a close eye out on as well. Now, moving on, Ryan. It looks like the U.S. might actually be running out of cash as soon as June the 1st. That's about a month from now. And that's according to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who has told U.S. lawmakers that her department's ability to use special accounting maneuvers to stay within the federal debt limit could be exhausted by then. An announcement actually came on the same day as the Congressional Budget Office, you know, when they reported that there is a significantly greater risk that the Treasury will run out of funds in early June as well. So, Ryan, what would reaching the debt ceiling mean for the government and what would a default lead to? Yeah, first of all, you have this playing out every now and then because Mm. it's become so political. And the federal government typically needs to raise the debt ceiling because this will allow it to continue to issue treasury bonds to bring in revenue to help it pay its bills. Mm. And investors like to buy these bonds because they are seen as safe and reliable. So the government will get the money it needs for its various projects from the military to social programs and of course keep the US economy going and running. So that will be a problem if they don't have the money to pay those bills. So if they don't raise the debt ceiling in time, then it will not have money to pay its bills, not have money to pay for social security, issue tax refunds, pay civil servants, federal workers, 
soldiers and the military. So it's going to lead to a lot of chaos and the stock market is likely to take a big hit. Mm. And then, as you imagine, if the US stock market gets hit, it could lead to knock-on sentiment elsewhere. And this could then lead to further issues down the road. But all in, as you've seen in the past few disputes, yeah. there is always a last-minute solution. So mm. we're going to have to watch it down to the wire for this one. Yeah, but they did mention before that last-minute solutions usually aren't very you know, reliable because uh, it reaches a point where when they get into a default, it may actually affect the trust that people have in the US economy as well. So do you see them doing th- anything different this time around? Short answer, no. No, <laughs> Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Ryan. Now let's turn our attention over to Chinese retail giant Sheen, where we're seeing lawmakers urging the SEC to crack down on the world's largest fashion retailer over alleged forced labor. And this comes ahead of the the company's possible $64 billion initial public offering over in the US. So while the company's spokesperson has stepped up to say that they have quote-unquote zero tolerance for forced labour. Why has Shin come under fire for allegedly selling clothes made by forced labour in China? Yeah, so I think it's part of a wider crackdown on anything to do with China. And of course, TikTok was in focus recently. Now mm. you've got the retail giants Shein and Temu. Um, so what's happening here is both apps are actually very popular. Mm. And if you look at the Shein app, it actually was downloaded more more times than many other um, apps, including Amazon. So mm. that is how popular it's become. And I think the US is starting to recognize this um, also because of the challenges they are facing because these apps are what they describe exploiting trade loopholes, mm. production processes. There's all these allegations about illegal labor, forced labor. So all these questions about supply chain are being asked and many of these issues are violating U.S. regulations. So if it's going to be listed in the U.S., it needs to clear all these issues. So if you have that hanging over your IPO, you're not going to have a very successful IPO. Mm. So that's um, the short answer. They will have to figure out how to convince many of these regulators and investors that things are um, going to be okay. So of course, this will then mean Shein, if it cannot, will have to find its capital and funds elsewhere, not the U.S. capital markets. Yeah, you know, the congressional scrutiny of Chinese fast fashion has shown that the U.S.-China tensions and the pressure to decouple has expanded beyond just critical technology that's directly linked to national security. We're talking about semiconductors here. So, yeah, you know, we talked about how this might affect the potential IPO later this year, but it raises the question, can Chinese e-commerce apps ever achieve success in America then? I would imagine so. Why not? Because mm. almost everything is coming from China it, and it's so integrated and interlinked. It's very hard not to well, be part of this equation, right? Yeah. So I think it's a hard one for the US to resolve and shut out. So I think with TikTok, we've already seen yeah. how many US um, citizens are upset not being able to use TikTok. Mm. Yeah, TikTok, that's uh, the story that's taken the world by storm as well. Now let's, you know, we're going to play a game of up and down. And if you're regular on the show, you'll be familiar with it. I'll pick a stock or a topic and you'll guess whether it's an up or a down. Ryan, are you ready for this week's let's edition? Let's go. Let's go with the first one, Meta. All right, Meta is going to be an up. So it's mm. just sold bonds on the market. So it's targeting $7 billion. And I think that's going to help it 
go some ways to invest in his business. And this is after the earnings uh, season blackout. So back to raising capital again in the bonds market. Yes, certainly some good news for Meta here. I'm going to go with an up for Meta as well. Now, next on the list, we've got Morgan Stanley. Okay, Morgan Stanley is a down because they are cutting jobs. I think about 3,000 and this will be about 5% of its workforce. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this follows, you know, after the firm trimmed about 2% of its workforce, I think this story is still going to continue developing as well as in this sector where people start laying off to save money. Now let's move on to the next one, US manufacturing sector. All right, that's a down for me and the sector is contracting for a six straight month and this is for the latest April and we are seeing it at a reading right now for the PMI at 46.3 and this is rather this is now at 47.1 from 46.3 so mm. this is six months down in a row yeah the sector accounts for 11.3 percent of the economy so it's a huge it's a huge player here I'm, I'm gonna go with a down for this one as well u.s manufacturing sector is a down now next on the list we've got maple tree logistics trust mm, i'm gonna go with an up because okay. it is saying Distributable income rising mm. 1.1% for its first quarter. So that's good news, even though we are seeing revenue down 2.2%, partly because of foreign currency effects. Mm. Yes, this is. Uh, I'm going to go with an up for this one, though, because it's seeing it's a uh, 1.1 increase in the fourth quarter of distributable income. So up for me for Maple Tree Logistics Trust. Let's move on to the next one, Singapore's market cap. Okay, it is down in April by 0.5%, and we saw slowing global, global growth. And this coming in to $4.4 billion for those 629 companies listed on the SGX. Mm, yeah, I think this is going to be a down for me as well. It goes without saying that uh, with market cap down by 0.5%, we'll have to see how growth turns out for the rest of the year. Now back at home, we're currently about 20 minutes into the local trading day. And last week, the Straits Times Index closed lower by 0.4 to end up at 3,270 points. Ryan, just how is the SCI performing today? Okay, mostly in the green and we've got it up by 1%. 3,304. Mm -hmm. Only two counters in the red. And at the bottom is Emperor down 1% and is trading X dividend today. Maple Tree Industrial Trust is down 0.4% at 237. At the top of the table, we've got the likes of Sets up 2.8%. And what's worth watching out for today is DBS, which saw its first quarter net profit rising 43%. And off the back of those earnings, it's up 1.1% at $33.17. Mm. Looking at the other banks, you've got OCBC up 1.1% and UOB up 0.6%. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the great analysis as always. Right now, before I let you go, one last story. Would you like to be able to text or communicate to anyone just by thinking? Maybe like a little bit like telepathy. I would love that. Can you think what I'm thinking about? Off right now, then? Ah, uh, not exactly. I wish I could, though. I think that'll be that'll be good because then at least I know what to say next. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> well, it looks like that is not too far into the future because scientists they have developed a non-invasive AI system that's focused on translating a person's brain activity into a stream of text. 
And that's according to Nature Neuroscience. You know, the system is actually called somatic decoder, which can actually benefit patients who have lost their ability to physically communicate after suffering from a stroke, paralysis or degenerative diseases. So I think now it's a little bit more towards the medical field, but you know, it's not too far away where we can start thinking and we don't have to use our mouths anymore, do we? Yeah, just thinking about dreams as well. You can maybe transcribe all your dreams. Ah, I don't know if I would want to share with... And then maybe dogs as well and cats and then, no. Oh yeah, that would be good. Yeah, animals' minds. Animal minds. I've always wanted to know what it's like in their minds. But anyways, thank you so much as always, Ryan. We'll catch you again tomorrow. That's all we have for you on Market View today. Continue to keep it right here with us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.